This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca, soon to be joined by E.J. Raddick from the NHL Network, but wanted to get things started. Just one game on the docket last night, and that was Vancouver continuing to surprise. I thought they'd be one of the worst teams in the Western Conference, and they just continue to surprise as they win 4-1 to in Detroit over the Red Wings, who are starting to slow down after a quick start. So Canucks are 4-3-1. and Again, not world beaters by any stretch, and it's still very, very early in the season, but I really thought that this was going to be a struggle for the Canucks, and so far it hasn't been as big a struggle. They've done a pretty decent job there. We'll see if they'll be able to sustain, but Vancouver off to a decent start. Matter of fact, I thought that it would be Vegas and Vancouver, the two Vs that would be at the bottom of the conference, and it's just shocking, really, how good Vegas has been out west. Uh, another win over the St. Louis Blues. They blow a lead. They win in overtime, but it is coming at an expense. They've lost two of their starting goaltenders, Flurry on IR because of a concussion, and then Malcolm Subban, who's played so well in relief of Flurry. He goes down with an injury in the third period of the Blues game. He's now been placed on IR. Maxime uh, Legacy has been called up from the minor leagues in Dallas, so they're scrambling right now to find an answer in goal as far as health is concerned, but you know what? And they just continue to win games. Is it sustainable? Ultimately, we're going to see. But they built themselves a nice enough cushion off to the greatest start in the history of any expansion team in the National Hockey League and just continue to play well. Uh, Belmar's been good for them. You know how good Neal has been. They're just a well-rounded good team. We've talked so much about it. But now they face their first adversity by just having goaltenders falling by the wayside. And we'll see. Well, they'll be able to pick that back up, and we'll see uh, if Legacy gets a chance to play here. He came pretty highly touted playing well in the minor leagues. We'll see how long he'll have to play and how well uh, he will continue to play. Struggles, still a mess in Montreal. They lost on Friday in Dallas, and it ends up being the same thing every night for Montreal, right? They hang in the game for the first 40 minutes and get their doors blown off in the third. Price looks lost right now. He looks like a goaltender that feels like he's the only hope for them to win. And the second that that gets out of it, he starts to just get frustrated. And I don't know what you do about it. Uh, talking to some people around the National Hockey League, certainly nothing official, but just asking questions. Because anytime I'm around hockey people, the first thing that comes up in the conversation is what's wrong with the Canadiens. I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs this year. And I got killed for that opinion. So far, I'm looking right, but still... Clearly, people can see with just one win on the docket, there's a serious issue here. And it can't be coaching because they let go of Michelle Terry and to bring in Claude Julian. It didn't really work. They did make the playoffs. They got bounced in the first round in six games. So you just can't keep changing coaches. So I guess right now the target seems to sit on uh, Bergevin, the, uh, the general manager, on just the way this team is built. This should be an attractive place to play. They haven't really groomed that many young stars. They went out and got Druin during the offseason, their big acquisition. Of course, the, a year after making the big trade, trading P.K. Subban away for Weber, that certainly blew up in their face as Subban's playing in the Stanley Cup final and Montreal got beat in the first round. So Mark Bergevin certainly on the hot seat. Usually firing general managers in season doesn't really motivate the team all that much because it's not like Bergevin's behind the bench. It's not like he's around the team constantly. But... It could be something where if you bring another voice in here, move the organization in a different direction where there's still enough time in the season to maybe pull off a trade. It's certainly before the March trading deadline 
where something may happen here to kind of shake it up. To me, Montreal, it's all about personnel. So if you want to change the general manager, go ahead. But the way they're presently constituted, I'm surprised how poor they're playing, but I'm not really surprised they're not a playoff team. So they got to figure out what to do, and we'll see if Mark Bergevin ends up being where the, the direction in which the organization wants to take things. Uh, Rangers had a win over Nashville. I was impressed by the win. Nashville's a really good team. They came in hot. Rangers played a complete 60 minutes, had their best period, I thought, of the NHL season so far in the first when they took a 2 nothing lead. Nashville kept coming back, but the Rangers kept getting that insurance goal. I thought Kevin Hayes played his best game of the season so far. And now the Rangers, it's, it's interesting how it works in the National Hockey League, right? I know it's all verbal semantics, but I guess you make it work for you when you're off to a slow start. And that clearly is that they had struggled at 1-5-1 and and then 1-5-2. And then they get a win against Nashville. So now they're actually, they went from a winless in the last five to now unbeaten in the last three, right? They had the overtime loss to Pittsburgh, shootout loss to the Islanders, but then they beat Nashville. You got a San Jose team in uh, coming up later today. Uh, beat the Devils, but got thumped by the Islanders. They're in the middle of an Eastern swing. I think the Rangers are better than San Jose right now as far as talent is concerned. Up and down. I know uh, Logan Couture was the third star of the game this week, uh, of the uh, week. You've got uh, Pavelski, Thornton, and all that. But right now they're a little banged up on the blue line. Rangers certainly can take advantage of that. you got the Coyotes coming up on Thursday. They haven't won a game all year. The only team in the NHL not to do that. And then Saturday they're in Montreal to take on a Canadiens team, as we just mentioned, is struggling. So the Rangers maybe have a chance to get things going here. We'll see if they can do it tonight against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, Ottawa gets back on track on Saturday as they double up the Maple Leafs by the final score of 6-3. to three. Uh, Ottawa just had to get their legs back, right? They went on that wet, long Western Canadian swing. And then they came back, got thumped by Vancouver, but they just had to get their legs back, and they certainly got it. They dominated Toronto up and down for that 6-3 to, to three victory. Uh, Flyers very quietly having a good start of the season. Five wins in their first eight games. They beat an Oiler team 2-1. to one. Oilers now 2-5. and five. I'm sure there's some scrambling going on there in Edmonton. What do you do? This was a team pegged to represent the Western Conference of the Stanley Cup Final. They've lost five of their first seven. They have lost five of their last six. Major problems there for the Edmonton Oilers. They lose in Philadelphia to the Flyers by the final score of a 2-1. to one. Other things that I thought were interesting, Lightning, Kucherov again, just killing it in a 7-1 to one win over Pittsburgh as Pittsburgh continues to struggle when they have to play a team that's waiting for them when Pittsburgh had to play the night before. And Antti Niemi has been the sacrificial lamb there. And we've seen it happen. They got killed by Chicago, now killed by Tampa. There's actual rumblings that maybe they'll look for another backup goaltender. But I think the story of this one's been the Tampa Bay Lightning beginning to emerge as the best team in the National Hockey League. So kind of gave you a little overview of what happened over the weekend, but now let's get a little bit more in-depth with it. Our Monday Weekly, we've had some trouble connecting over the last couple of weeks. All my fault, none his. And that's EJ Raddick from the NHL Network. How are you, buddy? It, you know, it was all yours. It was. I'm done telling oh, you. Wasn't it? Come on. It's just, listen, life is busy. You got the Yankees. You got the football. There's a lot happening. And you know You're what? Guy. And now that's all of a sudden just settled down now. Unfortunately, exactly <laughs> for yeah, Yankee fans, and, and now yeah, we can focus. Me, I'm disappointed, but that's life goes on, right? You know, as I was waiting for you, I was just kind of recapping the weekend, and the one thing that has struck me here 
has been the play of Tampa. Kucherov has now emerged as a superstar uh, in this league. And you look at some of the dominant teams in the Eastern Conference, and there's plenty. you got a young Toronto team. you got a young New Jersey team. But when you really look at what might be the team to beat, considering the veterans they have and how they're built, EJ, Tampa may end up emerging as the team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, you know, we thought about that last year, right? The start of last year after, uh, you know, they had gone to the Stanley Cup final, lost to Chicago, then they uh, got to the Eastern Conference final, lost to Pittsburgh in seven games. A lot of people thought, hey, this was going to be the year. And then they had injuries and they had some contract situations that had to play out and things just didn't work out. And the Lightning, with all that went on last year, they missed the playoffs by one point. It was probably the best thing that happened to them because they really were able to kind of recharge themselves in the offseason. Guys who had played a lot of games over two years had a chance to to kind of dial it back and get uh, to train and get healthy. And now they come into this year, uh, you know, they've added uh, Mikhail uh, Sergeyev from Montreal Canadiens. I thought that was a great deal at the time. I mean, they gave up a very talented player in Jonathan Drouin, but that's where they needed help on defense. And Sergeyev is a first-round draft pick, and he's a young player, and they're going to have a, they're going to be they're working him in. Pretty, you know, at their pace. He played the, the nearly 17 minutes against the, the Penguins the other night in that big win, and uh, he's producing uh, some offense as well as playing good in the zone. And if they can get him really up to his potential by the end of the season into the playoffs, that gives them another really good, talented young defenseman there to go along with, you know, players like uh, Hedman and Strawman. Mm. So uh, this is a good team. They're well coached. They score a lot. A lot of options for for John Cooper, and uh, as you mentioned, Kucherov is just a, just a wonderful player to watch. Stamkos is healthy; those two are just lighting it up together. So, uh, look out, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh they could have what it takes to get all the way through this year. Yeah, they certainly could. And on the bottom of that, we were just discussing the Montreal Canadiens, and I try to keep my ear to the ground, talk to different people, and it seems like the target is firmly on Bergevin's back just because of the fact they just changed coaches last year, right? So, And it didn't seem yeah. to gain as much traction as they, as they hoped. And I look at that team, and I just don't see a lot of personnel to expect, yes, them to be better, but that's not a cup contending team, and you just wonder if the next change won't be the general manager. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, Donnie. Like, when Mark Bergeron came in in May of 2012, you know, I looked at Toronto. I remember talking to some hockey people, and, you know, we went through, like, when, you know, you looked at their team at that point and you looked at the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? And you said, okay, who would you rather be? The Leafs, who at that time, going way back to May of 2012, weren't so bad they, prior to the really big rebuild. Or the Canadians, who had Carey Price at goal and young P.K. Subban emerging on defense and the third overall pick. And you would have rather at that time wanted to be the Montreal Canadiens. But if you look at it now, it's pretty clear you would want to be the Toronto Maple Leafs. You wouldn't want to have anything to do with the Montreal Canadiens because, yes, they have Carey Price, who's still terrific, although he hasn't played well this year. I think that's more indicative of the guys he's got in front of him. They traded Subban for Shea Weber, who's a really good defenseman, but's older and slower in a faster league. They don't have a lot around Shea Weber. They traded away Sergachev to get offense with Jonathan Drouin, who's a winger. They've decided that he's going to be a centerman for them now. Uh, so, you know, this team has got a lot of personnel issues for me. They are built very poorly outside of the goaltender, and uh, I don't think they're going anywhere fast. In fact, I think that this is going to have to be kind of rebuilt and, I don't know what that means for Carey Price because, uh, you know, he's the uh, same draft year as Sidney Crosby. Uh, he's in his 30 now, and, uh, you know, 
by the time this team gets ready to be real competitive again, where's Carey Price going to be in this career? Right. So uh, I, I don't, uh, you know, I think they'll be better than they've been so far at the start of the year because Carey Price will play better. But this is not, to me, it's just not a very good team. No, they're not. And I had picked them not to make the playoffs. And it uh, looks like I might be right. And everybody's, well, how can you say that? They've got the best goaltender in the National Hockey League. Well, take a look at the league, right? You don't necessarily need the best goaltender in the NHL. To win, you need players in front of them, and, and certainly Price yeah. hasn't played like the best goaltender in the league. But you know, we've seen whether it's Bobrovsky in Columbus, whether it's Lundqvist in New York, it's great to have those goaltenders. But in order to get over the hump, you need talent. And and look at the teams that are playing well. You just mentioned Tampa. Look, you know, you didn't even mention the goaltending, and you mentioned just That's how right. great all that all, all all their their talented players are that are coming together. You look at the Los Angeles Kings, and look how they've bounced back with a healthy Kopitar, yet to lose in regulation this season. Sure, you, you when you need quality goaltending, nobody's saying that, but when your best player and your highest paid player is your goaltender, it's probably going to come at the expense of the guys up front, and those are the yeah. guys that need to get it done, and that has not been the case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think that, that Montreal was in a situation that kind of is similar to the Islanders in that they have a star player they had to re-sign him. They've re-signed Carey Price at really a high dollar figure moving forward, and they're going to have him for this eight years, and you know, goalies can hang around longer and can play longer into their into their thirties just by the nature of the position. But you know, it was one of those things they almost would have been better off really thinking about trying to move them. And in a goalie situation, it's hard because the goalie market is such. There's only when I looked at it last week, I would say that there's only three or four franchises that would be in a position to trade for Carey Price. But maybe that would benefit Montreal because yeah. then they could start to fully rebuild. You know, the Islanders, I look at it similarly because John Tavares, who is, you know, a terrific player for me, he's their leader, he's their captain, everybody, their fans all expect him to, you know, they want him to resign. There's a lot of market pressure for the Islanders to resign John Tavares at any cost. But when you think about it at the end of the day, if he eventually signs eight years times $10 million, which is going to be in the ballpark of what he's going to be, you're going to get John Tavares as a player that now, on an eight-year deal, if you get three or four really high-end years from at this point based on where he is in his career, that's good. So right. now you're going to have a guy making $10 million in his you know, mid-late 30s at some point. So it's kind of a tough spot to be in. You know, for the Islanders, and it was, I think, a tough spot for the Montreal Canadiens to be in because the market pressure to sign to resign Carey Price was such that it would have been really you would have had to have, uh, you know, really a stern will to be willing to uh, make that move and deal with the, the repercussions, you know, in your market. So, uh, for Montreal, they got a lot of problems. Now, uh, another thing I'm sure is a hot topic of conversation for you on your show is what's up with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, did we exaggerate how well we thought they were going to do this year? I know it's very early, but for this team to be sitting here, just what are they losers? So five of their last six. Um, it's it, it's tough to see why what's not coming together for this team. Well, I think earlier in the season there were some other there were some issues, and I don't think Cam Talbot played as well early in the season as he played last year. And so I think that was a problem in the first couple of games. I think he's since played better. He played certainly very well in a win against Chicago and in a uh, two-to-one loss to Chicago, to Philadelphia on Saturday. But, uh, you know, when you look at your group, uh, you know, there's Connor McDavid and everybody's focused on Connor McDavid. And then after that, 
you know, maybe uh, we've overestimated some of these other players. So I think that, uh, you know, and also this is a team that comes in with huge expectations this year after making a run deep into the second round. Heck, they easily could have won that series against Anaheim and been in the conference final. So, you know, I think they'll kind of, I think they will straighten things out, but they, they, they have some pieces they still need there. I think they still have some issues on defense that they've got to get straightened out. I think uh, they've still got some issues, obviously, around McDavid that they've got to straighten out. I mean, they brought in Ryan Strom, and that hasn't been a great fit so far, so he's got to get himself figured out. Dreisaitl's been out of the lineup with injury, and that is a big, big, mm-hmm. big piece of the puzzle for that team as well. They're playing uh, Keller Yamamoto, who is a uh, 18-year-old kid, you know, in their group right now, and he's been had a good camp, and he's been a nice player for them. But I mean, usually eighteen year old kids don't have all the answers to your problems. No. So, uh, so you know, I mean, I think that the Edmonton Oilers are still growing, and uh, this is going to be a, an interesting year for them. And you know, I, I think maybe we the expectations are so high, maybe we've overestimated that for the Oilers. But I do think you know McDavid being such an amazing player, and Talbot has been he's already getting his game back on track. I, I do imagine the Oilers will will play better, but I think that there's still some issues on defense and really, you know, beyond those first couple of guys amongst their forwards groups, uh, you know, there's some challenges there as well. There was an incident Thursday night, I'm sure you've discussed it, with the wrong offside being reviewed in the Avalanche Blues game. Yes. And I'm a fan of everything that's happening right now. I'm a fan of the review of offside. I love the tweak they added where it's a penalty if you get it wrong, because I thought that that would eliminate that was your idea. I was. I don't want to take credit I mean, for it. I, I, listen, I'm willing. <laughs> I am willing to give you credit. I appreciate I that. Did not, you were one of the only people that I can remember bringing that up. And now this has come into, you know, this has become a rule. So I think this is the Don LaGreca rule. <laughs> I, listen, I appreciate I, that. You are. I mean, Thank I you. Anybody else saying it. Thank you. And I appreciate that. And believe me, if you're saying it, that's more than enough in the league for them to be able to take notice. I, I do appreciate that. You were that. the one bringing it up. I'm I, I like it. You're the one who brought it up. And, and I well, like sure, it. And I think, Of course you like it. It's your idea. Well, I, I just I mean, I, the reason I liked it is I thought it would cut down on those borderline ones, but coaches still I seem to be. Right. But it not, not necessarily because these coaches still continue to challenge these borderline ones, and maybe they have faith in their penalty kill. I don't know. But, you know, but then people freak out. Clearly the mistake was made in Colorado. Okay. I, I get that they made a mistake there, and maybe it cost the Avalanche the game. Who knows? But you can't throw the baby away with the bathwater, right? I mean, they, they made a mistake. They they were honest about the mistake. It's inexcusable, yeah. and it can't happen. But now this should not be an excuse for this is why you shouldn't have replay. It's a stupid rule to no. begin with. Stop no, it. No. All right, they yeah. they have to correct it. It happens in football, too, EJ. The one time that they that the fans perceive that a, blow, uh, a call is blown on replay, throw the whole thing away. I like the system. I like the way it's working. But are you getting the same feedback from people that this now is ammunition for the anti-replay crowd to start firing away? Well, I mean, people are always going to have their opinions, right, Don? I mean, that's, you know, went back going way back to when we would take calls uh, on the old NHL live show, and, you know, you do it still, do a great job with Michael there and on all the different subjects, right? So people have their opinions on these things. In the end, someone used this term, and I, I've kind of adopted it. It's like it's been a net positive. Because at the end, yeah, are there going to be some things that we don't like about it that takes a long time sometimes, or maybe if there's a mistake, right? Yeah, there's a, that's going to happen. But in the end, we're going to get many more of these things right, and they're going to be corrected, and we want that. So, you know, what happened in Colorado the other night in that game between the Blues and the Avalanche, 
there were a number of things that went on in about six seconds there. There was a hand pass that the linesman had to determine whether that was going to be waved off or not. He, he was banged into by one of the players. The referee on the other side was also engaged with a player. He looked over. He was, he was thinking that the offside was waved off, but it was the hand pass a wave off. And then, you know, and then you had a quick re-entry into the zone. And in all of that, when the linesmen looked at the iPad, they, they saw the, off, the original offside and did not apply the proper rule, which was that it's the entry leading to the goal. So, you know what? Uh, Pierre Rassico has been around a long time. Vaughn Rohde was the other linesman. It was a mistake. They owned up to it. That happens. It was unfortunate for the Avalanche because it was the, the tying goal that ended up getting scored, and they, they ended up losing that game. But that was not a simple play that guys just missed. It was a number of things that happened quickly, and they didn't apply the right standard. And, you know, hopefully everyone learns from that now. And if something like that happens again in the future, they will apply the proper standard to it. But for me, I think this whole thing is a net positive. We're getting more of these things right. And in the end, that's what we want. That's right. Well said. You want some uh, you. tweets? Give me some tweets. I'm going to want some, tweets. some tweets. Let's go Give out west. And this is a All tough right. one because we like a lot of the people that are involved in this. Yeah. Uh, Steven, any hope for the Coyotes this year? Of course, we know they're the only team to yet win a game so far yeah. this year. And uh, Tockett, yeah. McLean, we know well as yeah. uh, the, the brain trust there. But any hope for them, EJ? No. no. Um, there are There is no hope for this year. I mean, uh, this, this is what it is. It's a long process in, in Arizona right now. And they were hoping to accelerate that process with the addition of Ronta and Stepan and uh, Yalmerson to their team. As, you know, Ronta, they were hoping, would be that next backup turn starter like we saw with Cam Talbot and Marty Jones and players like, you know, Scott Darling now in Carolina. And, you know, it's been a struggle. He's been dinged up there and hasn't had to play, hasn't been able to play a lot. Louis Domingue, they didn't have a lot of faith in and hasn't played very well. And then they brought in Aiden Hill as a young kid, and he's played a couple of games against Dallas and, and lost them both. Um, the good news is Clayton Keller has gotten off to a terrific start. A lot to learn for Clayton Keller still, but a really dynamic young player. Um, they're trying to learn a new system there with Rick Tockett. He wants them to play kind of a faster game like the Penguins play that kind of move the puck up the ice quickly. Oliver ekman Larson, who's been like their star defenseman for several years now, he's someone that plays a little bit of a D-to-D, hold the puck, and, and, and he's got to kind of – there's been some growing pains there in him trying to transition to this new style of play. Um, so I think when you have a lot of young kids in the lineup and you have a goaltending issue because – the guy you brought in has not been healthy, right? And you have some guys in defense that you know a little bit of a struggle in younger players. This, you, know, you, you add it all together, and it's a problem. And so, I do. I think they're going to get into a better stretch as the season goes on. Yes, I think they will. Um, I do think it was a mistake, uh, John Shika, to add Ron and not go out and add another goaltender with some kind of uh, pedigree to be with him because. Well, the one thing we knew about Ronta was that he has never played more than 30 games in the NHL. So, right. you know, we know he played very well for the Rangers, and I like Antti Ronta, but, you know, you wanted to give yourself a safety net, and they don't have one. Louis Domingue is not a safety net right. that they feel comfortable with, and now they brought in this kid Hill, and who knows where he's at. So, for me, that's a mistake. I think they, if they have Ronta, go out and get another veteran. 
you know, uh, Calvin Pickard was available from Vegas. Maybe they could have got him. There's other guys that kind of bounced around the league. Someone that had a little bit of experience there to, to work with Ronta. So I think that was a mistake. But uh, they've got a number of good young players, but it's just going to take time. And right now it's a real struggle for them. Dave, who's a fan out in Seattle, has got a fantasy question. Okay. Um, who would you take, Adam Henrique or Alex Barkov? Alex uh, Barkov or uh, I like Barkov. Yeah, I mean he's going to be. I think he's going to be in more offensive situations mm-hmm. than Henrique on the whole. I mean he is their first center in Florida, but I like the way the Devils are playing this year, and I like Adam Adam Henrique as a player. So. You know, I think you go Barkov just because he is their legit number one yes. center who's going to be, you know, and if he's healthy, uh, he's going to be in all those situations that put up points, which is, I would imagine, what you want in fantasy. Devils off to a great start. They did lay an egg against uh, San Jose, but that just might have been because they played so many games, and now they're not playing again until Saturday. So, and yeah, this isn't even their bye. EJ, is not yeah. strength. This isn't even their bye week, and they've got a week off. Yeah, it's very strange. They're off the whole week, and then they play back-to-back home games on Friday and Saturday. They play, uh, I think, Ottawa and then uh, Arizona. Yeah. So, um, you know, what I found with the Devils is the two losses they've had to San Jose and Washington. Uh, The San Jose game was on the back end of a back-to-back where they were in Ottawa the night before. Uh, San Jose and Washington, the thing about both of those teams are they're kind of bigger, heavier teams. Mm Mm-hmm. And the Devils want to play a faster game, and they've had success playing a faster game against about against just about everyone else. Maybe there's something to that fact that those teams were kind of bigger, heavier teams and made it harder for the Devils to kind of get their speed game going. But uh, the bottom line is that John Hines has this team playing very well. They're exciting. Yep. If I was a Devils fan, I'd really be excited about this group of young players. I'm, Will Butcher has been nothing but impressive to me with his, his smarts and his ability to run the power play. What a great signing. That's going to turn out to be for them long term, and he sure has played well. And you know, I like their group so far. So uh, you know, the, the week off is kind of odd, but maybe it's good right now because Corey Schneider's a little dinged up, and yeah. that time off will probably help him. Uh, Sam says stars have found their groove. Where do you rank their first line of Ben Sagan and Radulov? He says fourth behind Tampa, Washington, and Chicago. What do you? What says well, you? Well, I say that's a really good line. I got. I think we want to see more of them, right? As a threesome. I mean, we know Sagan and Ben. I mean, you know, you can, you know, me or you could be out there with Sagan and Ben, and we probably have some success. So, uh, but I think there's a chance that could be really high end, maybe the best line. I mean, those are three very, very talented players playing together. I wouldn't be so sure Dallas has found its groove at this point because you know they had a couple of back-to-back wins against Arizona. We just talked about Arizona and their struggles. Uh, they were able to beat a pretty good Carolina team, and they but they had to fight them off at the end. Uh, so I, I want to see more from Dallas. Uh, I think there's the, the potential is there for them to have a good season. Bishop is off to a pretty good start for them in goal. Um, so that's going to be the key. So, you know, in terms of that line, though, that's, I mean, again, Sagan and Ben, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, Radloff was a real good player. If they find that chemistry over time, that could be the very best line in the league at some point. And you mentioned Carolina, and it, I think it's fair to mention because they, they've only played six games. So you look at the standings, you yeah. go, oh, they're out. No, no, this is a good team. Skinner yeah. was, was terrific out west, and Slavin's had uh, a real contribution oh, Slavin, to them. Slavin is one of the best defensemen oh, in the league. It's true. And nobody, half the people don't even know who he is, but he is one of the very best. Yep. Defensemen. There are not. I would tell you this: there are not a lot of players in this league that I would trade one on one 
sport. That's a great point. Wayne, that tells you what I think about him. So. And they have Hannafin there, who was a high pick too. I mean, they, they've, they've, that's a nice that's a nice team. It really is. So don't pay attention to the standings just yet. They've got three games in hand on some of the teams there in the Eastern Conference. So when you look at it and glance and go, oh, they're fifth or sixth in the wild card or whatever, believe me, when they catch up to the rest of the league, Carolina is a playoff team. That's why it's so dangerous for teams like the Rangers, right, EJ? Because you look at that Eastern Conference. Detroit's off to a better start, although they laid an egg last night against a Vancouver team that's actually been kind of spunky. But you look at Boston, Carolina, I mean, excuse me, Boston, Florida, the Islanders, the Rangers, like all those mishmash of teams that can finish between 8th and 13th. That's because of the improvement of Carolina and the improvement of New Jersey. So you got to be careful. You get off to a slow start in this Eastern Conference, you might dig yourself a bit of a hole. Now, the Rangers have woken up getting uh, four points in the last three games, but Carolina is a team that maybe people aren't thinking about, and they should, because I think they're a playoff yeah. team. I'm with you, and listen, I saw Philly uh, last week. Uh, you know, That's another one. Keep, keep, they keep getting better. Yeah. I mean, their defense with Provorov and – and Goss despair in terms of puck movers, and they're adding, you know, the ha- the kid Hogg is now with the team from Sweden, and Sandheim's on the roster, another good young defenseman. I mean, this is a team, and they can score, and their power play is dangerous, and they're getting good goaltending from Neuver and Elliott. So, uh, you know, they're in the mix. Uh, there's a lot of good teams in the Eastern Conference, and I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if I'm a Rangers fan, I'm really concerned because, um, you know, the Rangers, I, you know, watching their game against Nashville the other day, they took advantage uh, on their goals of some really of the back end defenders for the Nashville Predators. They took advantage of Emelin on two of them mm-hmm. and Matt Irwin on the other one, and uh, that's how they scored. And you know you're going to have you know those situations, and you're going to have to take advantage of those type of players when you can. But to me, I look at it and go, boy, that's a fortunate win for the Rangers in that game. So. Uh, they got to get going, and they got to get going soon because this conference, you're right, they'll get left behind well, quick. Well, they've got a big week coming up because they've got a beatable San Jose team, Arizona who hasn't won a game all year on Thursday, and then the Montreal yeah. Canadiens on Saturday. So I'm sorry, you got to get six. I mean, I, I think because you're home against San Jose, then you get six, then you can start rolling because no offense to the three teams they're playing this week, but all those teams certainly uh, can be had. Quite a few people tweeting. Uh, Ivan wants to know about Duchesne possibly to the Rangers. Kane's insider wants to know what's going to happen with Matt Duchesne. Things have kind of settled down in Colorado a little bit. They've lost three in a row. What do you think happens with Duchesne? And, and could the Rangers, who certainly look like they're desperate for a center, be involved in that? Well, I mean, I think that any deal involving the Rangers for Matt Duchesne would have to include Brady Shea. Mm. Uh, would have to include Brady Shea. Wow. And, and And probably another high-end young player that they probably don't want to trade. Because Colorado is looking for – they're looking for really high-end defensemen. And that's been the holdup in this whole thing all along is that, you know, when, the, when there was interest in, let's say, Boston, they wanted Charlie McAvoy. When there was interest in Ottawa, they wanted Thomas Shabbat. I mean, they want your high-end young defenseman because that's what they're looking for to to restart their program there. So, uh, you know, for the Rangers, like I said, I would think when I look at their team, they're not, you know, they're not looking for anybody else. They're looking for for Brady Shea and another really good young player if they're going to try to make that happen. Do Ranger fans? Do the Rangers want to make that move? I don't know. Uh, I would say probably not. No. Uh, you know, and, and, and in terms of like, you know, Carolina has the pieces on defense that they could move a defenseman to to get that player. But I think Ron Francis is, is really trying to be patient with his group. And he knows Duchesne has two years left on his deal. Does he, he probably wonders, well, can I keep him here? Do I trade a young player that, you know, all of a sudden now I have Matt Duchesne for two years and he's gone. That's a free agent. So that's probably part of his. 
thinking. I know the, the, the Columbus Blue Jackets were very, very interested. Again, high-end defensemen. They're not trading Wierenski. They're not trading Jones. Uh, I think that Gabriel Carlson is a guy that's a really good high-end young defenseman in their system that might be attractive for Colorado. But, again, it has to be. it would probably have to be Carlson and someone else another good young player to make that deal. So Joe Sack has shown he's, he's going to be patient with this. I think he's smart to do that. I think at the end of the day, he's got a good player there, Matt Duchesne, and he needs to get something of quality back in return. So, uh, you know, that's where that is. And we will see if anybody wants to step to the plate and uh, offer that type of player to make the deal. I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, and David Hine asked about Antti Niemi's future in Pittsburgh. Well, he's on waivers. Yeah. He's on waivers today. Yeah, it makes and sense, I, right? I got, I got to think that his time in Pittsburgh is probably over. Uh, I think it's a little bit unfair to the yeah. end. He played three games. They were all three were back to backs. The Penguins did not play well in front of him. But, you know, you got to remember the Penguins are practicing with this guy, too. They've seen him in training camp. And they probably just don't like what they see in general. They just, they don't see it as like, hey, these were bad situations and he didn't respond well, they'd probably see it on a day-to-day and just say, hey, we just don't know if this guy has it. We saw in Dallas over the last couple of years, you know, we had a lot of struggles there. And so for me, I think, you know, Pittsburgh uh, probably looking to cut their losses right now. They'll bring in Tristan Jerry, who's the, Tristan Jerry, who's their minor league goaltender. Maybe Jimmy Rutherford will go out and look for a veteran guy to come in to be part of that group with, uh, you know, with uh, Murray and send Jerry back to the minors where he can play on a, on a, on a nightly basis, but, uh, you know, that is something they will have to address. And it's a reminder of what a luxury they had when Flurry was there with Matt Murray. That was a great duo, and they were very fortunate to have it for as long as they did. They were able to win two cups with it. So yeah. now they're going to have to make, they're going to have to make some uh, changes. And, you know, Jimmy Rutherford has been very, uh, you know, adept at figuring out what the Penguins needed over the last couple of years and finding those players. So we'll see. All right. Finally, Kelly Riley says, any love for Chris Stewart, six goals in six games. Uh, well, hey, listen, when you score and you're scoring, that's good. How about some love for, uh, you know, for uh, Derek Dorsett, former Ranger? He's got five goals yeah. in the Vancouver Canucks so far in their first eight games this year. So, yeah, there's guys that come out and, you know what, you get some goals early. You never know what guys do in the, in the off season if, uh, you know, they put in that extra time and they get themselves into better shape and, you know, it makes such a difference. This is such a highly competitive league. And, you know, Stewart is one of those guys that, is, you know, has, has had a lot of talent. And, uh, you know, it just, uh, it just hasn't happened for him uh, in other circumstances. But so far this year, he's getting to the right places. He's had some good fortune around the net. But at the end of the day, we've got to see if he can keep it up because we've seen guys get hot before, and then, you know, he ends up the year with nine goals. So we'll see. That was a nice win for Minnesota, too, coming back in the third period, something they haven't done much this year. And classic Bruce Boudreaux. I don't know if you saw him in the, in the morning skate going into Saturday's game about the, there's no difference between a rut and a groove, right? They're both the yeah. same thing. <laughs> this is this is this is classic yeah. Gabby, right? It's like yeah. it's like there's no difference between a rut and a groove. So we just have to I get out of the rut, and go to the groove. It just he was so cl- and then he was right. He's like they turned that rut in the first 40 minutes into a groove in the third, and it's been the reverse early in the season uh, for Minnesota and. Uh, Yarmir Yager uh, placed on IR with a lower body injury, so hopefully he'll get back on track. Uh, he's got a couple of points there in Calgary, but uh, I just thought that was uh, all those times talking to Bruce yeah. and seeing him on um, that very first um, HBO, HBO 24-7. Yeah. Yeah. 
That was, I yeah. thought that, I don't know if you saw that, but that was like classic, <laughs> the difference between yeah, a rut and a yeah, groove. He's one of the, he's one of the great uh, personalities in hockey for sure. Mm. And it would be, you know, I mean, he's one of those guys that he's such a likable guy. You'd love to see him, you know, win the ultimate prize and raise that Stanley Cup. And it just hasn't happened for him yet. Uh, I think of the teams that he's coached, Washington, Anaheim and now Minnesota. I think this is his least talented group. Yes. Uh, I thought he did a terrific job getting them to where they were last year, but you know he's got his hands full this year because they got a lot of injuries in their group already, and uh, it's uh, it'll be a challenge for them. They got a lot. They've got some good young players in their system for sure, but it'll be a matter of uh, you know when those guys are ready to really be a factor. And uh, when they get some other guys healthy, so uh, that was a good win the other night. They needed it. He's right. They need to get it out of that rut. And into a groove. EJ, it was not worth easy. the wait, not buddy. Easy. I will talk to Thank you next you, week. My friends. All I've... right, you got it, Donnie. All right, that's great. EJ Raddick, NHL Live. Uh, you can catch between the hours of 4 and 6, and or NHL Now, excuse me. We did NHL Live back in the day, and, of course, from the NHL Network, always fun to talk to EJ. We'll try to do it every single Monday. We hadn't hooked up in the last couple of weeks. As you can tell, we we're all over the place, but we want to try to give love to every team in the National Hockey League and try to get to as many tweets as possible. Just two games tonight, Kings and the Maple Leafs. Kings, the only team not to lose so far this year. The Leafs coming off a tough outing in Ottawa on Saturday. That should be a great matchup. And then the Sharks and the Rangers. And, again, not to disparage the Sharks, but they're 3-4. and four. They're in the middle of an Eastern swing. Rangers coming off getting four points in their last three games san jose arizona montreal the next three games for the rangers so an excellent chance to get into a little bit of a groove here maybe by the end of the week win four in a row get above 500 and start moving after what was a really tough stuff uh tough start to the season and the last time san jose was in here was last year and it was a seven to four loss the rangers did pick up three of a possible four points against the sharks last year so just two games on the docket and we got a slew to get into tomorrow so we'll be back again tomorrow Tweet at me, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Certainly the show has grown, so we're getting a lot of tweets. So I try to get to them as, as many as possible. If I don't get a chance to read them on the air, I'll try to get back to you on uh, Twitter uh, myself. But thank you so much for participating today. It was a great weekend. Thanks to EJ Raddick. Back again with you tomorrow. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York. And worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.